Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. We are super glad that you've joined us today. We've got like the NPR voice. We are super glad you've joined us this we're afternoon. We're pleased. I would say if I look around here the room, I think I would say that we're pleased that we're doing this again. Like I we're excited. S- I see smiles. I see some smiles. Mm-hmm. I see some grins all around the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just so you know, our um, our numbers have not increased in terms of our listenership. Yeah, that's probably true. Which is not our fault. It's actually your <laughs> it's your fault. It's all our listeners' fault. This for is our not e- spreading the word. This is our every other episode uh, tradition in which we alienate you. We <laughs> 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 <Weed> don't. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, what we want to say is uh, please spread the word about this podcast. It's a good word. Yeah. Treat it like a virus that you want to just pass around. Didn't we talk about that before? Yeah, yeah we, we did the virus thing already. Okay, let's use a different one. Um, infection? No, no, no we did that. We, did we, use, we used the whole, oh, yeah. the whole infection okay. virus okay. <laughs> metaphor we've used. Um, let's treat it like a uh, like like good a, gossip. Good, 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 oh, good gossip. gossip. Good yeah, gossip. yeah. Like you just found, let's treat it like you just found this really great restaurant and you want to tell people about it because you're so excited about it. They have the best... Ch- uh, spicy chicken sandwich you've mm-hmm. ever had. And it's 50% off. And it's 50% off. And it comes with free dessert. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like that. And yeah. free dessert. <laughs> Who wouldn't you tell about that? Exactly. Yeah. And if you're a vegetarian, they have the best tofu that you've ever had in your life. What you Fried tofu. Fried tofu tacos. That's kind of hard to say. Try it. Fried to tofu tacos. That was harder than Try say, no, no, leave off fry. Just say tofu tacos. Tofu tacos. No, but five times really fast. <laughs> tofu tacos, tofu tacos, tofu tacos. Oh, you're doing tofu tacos, good. tofu tacos. Oh, here's something uh, uh, for our listeners to try. If you're alone in your car, <laughs> try this. Uh, let's see, what is it again? Toy boat? Yeah, toy boat. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Try to say toy boat. Five times really fast. I can guarantee that you cannot do it. Try it, Kevin. Toy. No, no, you got to say it fast now. <laughs> toy. No, boat. you got to say it fast. Toy boat, toy boat, toy boat, toy boat, toy boat. No, you're saying it too slow. You're saying it too slow. Aaron, give it a try. Toy boat, 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 toy that's much better. How's that, guys? That's much better. If you have a tongue twister that you'd like to pass on, please. <laughs> to increase our listenership. Yeah. Put it on the Facebook page. Send us a tweet. I don't know. Can you send tweets? I don't know how that works. Well, we, don't, we don't have Twitter set oh. up at Ooh, this we point. Should, we should do that. Okay. Send us a handwritten letter. We love mail. <laughs> we love <laughs> old-fashioned mail. We have not gotten anything yet. Preferably in cursive. Yes, please. Oh, in cursive. Yeah. Either yeah, on yeah. a typewriter or in cursive. Yes. We'd love to get a handwritten letter from one of our listeners. With that stationery that doesn't have lines on it, you have to read, like you put lines underneath it when you write it, so you can kind of, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like line paper. Yeah, line paper. yeah we want it on line paper. We want it written with a number two pencil. No, no, no. He's saying not lined paper. Oh, we He's have saying lines nice stationery. Nice yeah. stationery. No oh, lines. Oh, oh, I see. And then you write with lines... As you see through the paper, oh, and right. then when you take that paper away underneath, it looks like oh, you just wrote with, on perfect yeah, lines yeah. on white I've paper. I've never seen them. Oh, I've never really? Done that? Oh, oh. Well, That's how well, my parents it, did classy <laughs> notes. Your parents are classy. Yeah, they are. Uh, <laughs> I could learn a thing or two. Maybe it's too late. If any of our listeners have written like that, 
with you know lines under a piece of paper, let us know. Drop us a line. Write so us a letter. We're Write looking letter. for tongue twisters and letter and, and stationery. Yeah. If our listeners want to send us tongue twisters, we'll try to say them. The, the idea <laughs> would the be air. if you hand wrote tongue twisters <laughs> and sent them to us by mail. Ooh, right? Ooh, yeah, we'll good. do it. That's oh, really good. Go. We'll do it. Really Should we give our uh, mailing address? Uh, let's leave it up to them to try to find it. Okay. GraniteSprings.org would help you. Know. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's a big clue. Also, we accept gift cards. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I think and we pizza. should. Do you in- want to send pizza? Should we introduce well, I was ourselves? To bring, uh, I was supposed to bring last week. I talked about bringing uh, my sweet treats. Remember that five? My five favorite sweet oh. treats. And I said I was going to bring um, some pudding, cocoa krispies. Oh no, no pudding. I was going to bring pudding. I'd love some pudding. Well, right now. this is a bitter disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Why did we come? <laughs> I think Aaron's right, though. We might want to uh, do a little introduction. Oh, oh, uh, okay. Let's do some introductions. Uh, you, I'm come. Aaron Antone. I'm and Matt. what do you do, Aaron? Oh, doing that. Well, okay. Um, I'm the music director here at Granite Springs Church. I'm Matt, and I podcast. Accurate Church Podcast. <laughs> We're not really sure what Matt does. <laughs> Matt's just kind of around. He's kind of around a lot. Just floating. <laughs> I'm Sam Gutierrez. I do spiritual formation. I'm a pastor here at Granite Springs Church. And I'm Kevin Adams, senior pastor here at Granite Springs Church. Hey, let's give Kevin our, a round of applause. Our special Come guest on. is back. Special guest is returned. So everybody listening, you know it's finally going to be a good one because yep. Kevin's back. Oh, flattery, yeah. flattery. Is this is this like SNL where you, you get awards for hosting? Do you oh. I get like a jacket if, I, if I'm oh, a like guest a five for timer. five times? Oh, yeah, oh. we should. Huh? Like you might buy you yeah. socks. Yeah, you'll have to do a musical <laughs> number. Yeah. Oh, that's, A song and dance I number. I jacket. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah, usually we see Kevin, like we're podcasting in a room. You, we usually lock the door, but then Kevin's usually outside the door looking in. With my nose pressed against <laughs> yeah. the window. A and single so, tear running yeah, down his face. Yeah, tear. he wants to be in. He sees how much fun we're having. So today we decide. Let him in. Yeah, let's Thanks let him in. Letting me let's let him in. in. And he's really excited to be here. I am, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, should we do some listener thank yous? Like, have you heard of anyone who's listening that we should just say their name just so they get that little buzz? They get that little, they get that adrenaline rush. I received an email from my mother-in-law, Trish, this week, or just a couple days ago. Yay, Trish. Who said the books episode was definitely not boring. Oh, oh, take it, love that. Oh, take it, love that. It. Amazing. That's amazing. So Take that, that person. Did, that she, person. did she have other adjectives she did use to describe it? Or it's definitely Hold not on. boring. I, I can pull up her feedback right here. Oh, here we go, people. Not this boring is, is, a, is a ringing, a ringing, a ringing endorsement. endorsement. That's, yes. I don't know sure if that's actually, it's like, yeah. She had, she, hold on. She, she might have said something even nicer than that. First of all. I did not think it was boring at all, she says. <laughs> I She's love hearing, th- hearing about things that shape us in the kingdom of God. Ooh. And I love books. So this was great for me, uh, she says. Uh, and a couple of her books. We should share those since oh, we yeah, asked people. Absolutely. The Hole in Our Gospel by Richard Stearns. Huh? Anyone read that? Kevin might have. It's at least yeah. familiar. Yeah. Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. Yeah. Got to give that a hearty cosign. I thought about that being my book, actually. And then um, any of N.T. Wright's commentary series for everyone, but specifically, she loves the one on Romans. So 
Wow. Great. There you go. All right, Trish. We thank do have you. some feedback. Yeah. We should do a segment, Foods That Have Shaped Us. Yeah. <laughs> we can't talk about pudding every episode. <laughs> do you mean like... Ice cream. Do you Ice mean, cream yeah, do you mean me. like theoretically, like no, they've shaped our physically. cultural or physically? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Foods Each that have, have the greatest us. influence. <laughs> the shape is round. <laughs> Okay, let's get going. All right, okay. here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Aaron's already got a ton of Yeah, it. usually at this point, Aaron gets bothered <laughs> because it's just too random. It's, it's too silly. Well, you have, and then you have Aaron to... gets frustrated, but he'll usually I'm... edit that part out. My, all my frustration Wisely. will be edited out. Yeah. <laughs> like like this, this right here will be gone. <laughs> yeah. You better leave it in. Man. Don't try to edit yourself into perfection. <laughs> Facebook. Okay, we're going to do a little segment here. This one's called My Two Cents, and we're going to switch it up a little bit. So here's the, here's the plan. Uh, there, what we did was we wrote random topics on Post-it notes, put them in a container. The person who draw, we'll, we'll pass it around. Each person will draw one out. The person who draws out a piece of paper will have to answer. We'll have to give their two cents on that thing. We'll have to answer for their crimes. <laughs> and I, I just want to say, some people have said that in the last episode, I maybe got a little intense, a little combative. I am doubling down <laughs> in my two cents. <laughs> the takes are going to be hotter Matt. than ever. Matt. Yeah. Yeah. People did note that Matt seemed to, you know, he was a little, he was a little spicy last time. I don't know if they use the word spicy, but. It doesn't matter what yeah. word they use. Some people said angry. Some people said <laughs> aggressive. Some people said combative. Some people said, well. And you guys still invited me back, so Curious Church can help. But it was that. nice to see Matt get a little riled up. All right, yeah. my two cents. If you if you <laughs> liked seeing Matt get riled up, drop us a line. <laughs> Write us a letter. Send, send a hand. Provocative. Yeah, send him a <laughs> gift card. Send him a gift card, people. Okay, here we go. My two cents. Okay, I'm pulling out one first here. Uh, the topic is cotton candy. Oh. oh. Which, um, so my two cents on this one is, I find cotton, I know some people who love it. I find it a little much. It's base, I mean, it's sugar. It's, it's, it's just a form of sugar that has been spun into like, a, into like pink hair. So I just find it a little much. But there is something magical about how it melts in your mouth. All right. Did you like it when you were a kid? Uh, not really. Huh. I never. I, I'm a much more of a pudding. In Australia, we chocolate call pudding it. fan. <laughs> well, they we know. Had, we they know. serve pudding at the fair. <laughs> I was going to say, where is that at the fair? <laughs> they should serve that. In Australia, it's called fairy floss. Fairy no floss. No way. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that yeah. is. I would eat it if it was called fairy floss. Well, you can call it that in your mind. Harry floss? No. Nope. Fairy. Fairy floss. Okay, All Kevin. Right. All right. So I picked something out of the magic bucket, and it's heartburn. Uh, and uh, I just want to say uh, what Sam said about cotton candy. It's too much. I don't like it. <laughs> I'd rather not have it. When's the last time you had heartburn, Kevin? Uh, let's see. The, when's the last time we spent most of the day together, Sam? <laughs> not at all. Not that was at all. a joke, right? That was a joke. That was a joke. 
I do not remember. I do not get heartburn, typically. Oh, wow. I, I, You're a lucky so I man. I do not. Yeah. So whoever put this in, do you want to describe heartburn it hurts. for us? It hurts. It's like a little volcano. <laughs> it's a little volcano inside. Yeah. Does it come after you eat cotton candy, Sam? It could. It could. Yeah. At this point, I don't know. Tacos? At this point, like usually people you know, at a certain age think, oh, it's spicy food. Oh, it's the meatball. Oh, it's the whatever I ate. At this point, I'm not sure what it is. Like, I get heartburn on occasion, and I'm like, now why did I get heartburn? And I can't figure it out yet. So it's a bit of a mystery. I would direct our listeners to refer to the archives in which Sam repeatedly talks about eating Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) That could be a clue. I'll I'll look into that. I doubt that's actually the reason. Every third meal is from Taco Bell. Hey, we had Taco Bell last night. I know, and we felt fine. Oh, I felt great. We felt felt so good. (laughs) It was so good. It was so good. I've never had guacamole like that. Yeah, there was... Oh, you had guacamole in yours? I think I did. Oh. It was something green. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm hoping that's what it was. I don't think there was was lettuce, but I think there was something. I don't think there was guacamole in your burrito. Suddenly, I have heartburn. (laughs) (laughs) Delayed onset heartburn. Uh, All right. All right. Okay. Aaron, don't don't be irritated today. Don't be mad. I'm not mad. I'm not irritated. Haircuts. <sighs> <laughs> okay. Well, I can't speak to all haircuts, but I can speak to my haircutting experience, which is um, it's different every time for me, and I never know kind of what to ask for, and I usually just trust the person to do it. I don't like doing it. I don't like setting it up and doing it. Uh, it's I'll, just, cut, I'll cut your hair. Well... That, that would be a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a You'll cosmetology have license? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm an artist. Yeah. I think I would try it. And then if it didn't work, I could just uh, shave my head. How can we do that? How can we video this and like stream it somehow? Live On stream. On our Curious Church this podcast. Like, there's phones with cameras that you can do. <laughs> like, this is like, such a weird Im- There are phones with cameras? <laughs> How can we do this? Like, is, does the technology exist to put something on the internet? Oh, my dear. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm anti-haircut. I don't like it. Okay. I wish we didn't have to do it anymore. I wish I could kind of freeze my hair in one spot and then just... Oh, that'd be it. awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's a Matt Tim-style hot take right there. <laughs> Anti-haircut. It's not as combative as a Matt yeah, Tim's Matt, take. Matt, but... just calm down. All right. <laughs> okay, well, got my own, so that's a good setup. No, you can't do your own. Oh, I can't. Okay. No, here, here. Oh, do it again. Sorry. I didn't realize I had to be. You can't do your own. Yeah. You didn't get all the rules. Spicy meatballs. Probably, like, we've got a real heartburn thing going here. <laughs> um... What do I think about spicy meatballs? I'm not a big spice food person. Uh, I'm also married to a vegetarian, so meatballs aren't really a regular part of my diet. And it just seems a little bit, I think if I'm being honest, meatballs feel a little gratuitous. Like, it's just like, let's roll up some meat. <laughs> and then what do we call it? A ball of meat, a meatball. Like it just, what is it in Australia? It's a little. It's yeah, a it's, they're fairy, called fairy. It's a fairy, yeah. fairy nuts. <laughs> fairy meat. Fairy so. nuts. <laughs> it's a beef boulder. It's a beef boulder. So yeah, just it's a little, little on the nose, a little too much. And to add spicy, that's too far. I'm just not even going to indulge the accent attempts. <laughs> okay, let's do, right. okay, we're going around again. Going around, round two. I don't think people put two in here. 
happened? We're running out. You know, I didn't put any in because I was picking things up still. Uh, Mousetraps. They're sad. I mean, imagine if you... Imagine if imagine if there was a giant, okay, and you are the rat. You're a little person running around. And all of a sudden you see a hamburger <laughs> on a little tray. And you think, oh my gosh, look at this hamburger. It looks awesome. And you go to reach it, and then a giant metal clamp <laughs> smashes you. You don't even know what happened. The last thing you remember is you're reaching for a hamburger. <laughs> you're, like a pretty good way to heaven, go, actually. And then you're in heaven. I was reaching for a hamburger, and, and in, now I'm in heaven. In rat heaven. Okay, next. All right. All right. So you ready? Candles as decor, not for burning. Yeah, I like my candles for burning, actually. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You want to weigh in? No, no, sorry. I was, for some reason, I really I, don't have a lot to say about <laughs> candles not for burning. We're actually looking at a candle right now in the room it's, that we're in. And it, and it looks a little sad. And because it's, it's not just been sitting burned. there it's never been Sam's burned. office. Fresh wick. All right, that's it. That's it. What's your two cents, listeners? If you have topics that you like, <laughs> <laughs> send them in a, send them in a riddle. Send them in a riddle. We'll try to tease them out of the riddle and put them in the bucket. All right, let's have a conversation together. So we've invited yes. Kevin Adams to come. We're going to talk about we've been so this is our third third conversation on his book 150. If you have not picked this up, you can find it on Amazon. It is a deal. It is a deal. I don't know how much it is on Amazon. Probably. Well, I bet used you could get it pretty good deal. Yeah, probably yeah. 15 cents. <laughs> yeah, probably. 15, <laughs> 15 cents for this book used. Yeah, it might have a maybe, few underlines in maybe. it. 4.99 shipping. Yeah, exactly. actually. But anyways, you can pick this up. It's called 150, Finding Your Story in the Psalms. And you highlight in your book, what, 10 different psalms, 11 different psalms? Right. And we did already uh, Psalm 3, which was Psalms and Enemies, right? which was really good. You can go back and listen to that if you want. Uh, and we did Psalm 27, Chapter 5, on Psalms and Beauty. Right. But today, we're talking about Chapter 4, Psalm 13, Psalms and hard questions. Hmm. You wrote this chapter, Kevin. I did, I did write it. What do you remember about writing this chapter? What I remember is uh, it seems like we live in a world where people um, either are, a fr well, they, they, it's like their religion needs to be e answers and sometimes easy answers. And there's a lot of people who like their faith to be the safe part of their life. But, and Folks from the inside sometimes want that. Folks from the outside sometimes want it, sometimes fear it. You know, the easy answer faith. And that keeps them from coming inside because it appears people on the inside have everything figured out or they act like they have all the answers. And there's this old um, idea that Jesus is the answer, which is true, but sometimes it gets a little cliche, more than a little cliche, actually, and becomes overly simplistic. And I love the Psalms for lots of reasons, as we're finding out, but one of the reasons is... It's really a place to ask questions and earnest questions and to admit we don't have all the answers and we will never have all the answers. And often Jesus uh, wrote, raised more questions than he did uh, as many as, he raised as many questions as he answered and he befuddled the answer people of his day. So I wrote the chapter yeah. <laughs> well, in, in, in that kind of spirit. So yeah. chapter thir or uh, Psalm 13 starts with a bunch of questions. Right. Written by a psalm, Psalm of David. 
And the first two, the first two verses go like this. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? So that's an interesting way to kind of start a conversation with God. It's a series of questions hurled in God's direction. Right. And expecting an answer. Right. Or if not a vocal answer, at least recognizing this is the kind of relationship we have. We have a relationship where we can ask earnest, painful, haunting, even questions rather than me right away saying everything's fine, everything's fine. Yeah. I mean, so chapter, th- I mean, Psalm 13, of, of course, is a bunch of questions, but those aren't the only questions from the Psalms. So Psalm 6 asks the question, who praises you from the grave? Uh, Psalm 10, why do you stand so far off, God? Uh, again, from Psalm 10, why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Right. Hmm. Uh, Psalm 15 says, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Psalm 22, that Jesus quotes from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 35, how long, Lord, will you look on? And then Psalm 42, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? So, And there's lots more right. questions from the Psalms. That's just a sampling. But Psalm 13 is kind of the Psalm that you pick to kind of dive into. Right. And why, you say, well, go ahead. Matt. I was just going to say, why did you pick Psalm 13? I think because it's early on in the Psalter. Mm-hmm. And uh, so right away, as you start to pray the Psalter, you start to get this sense that this is a covenant God with which we can have any kind of conversation with. Mm-hmm. And I think because of the rapid fire questions, there's um, mm-hmm. a lot of Psalms, Sam is saying, it's a, there'll be a, a moment of trust or a moment of praise or adoration or thanksgiving that will turn into a question that often turns back into praise or adoration or, or trust. But I love the way the Psalm starts just question after question after question, because I think that's a lot of times how our lives are, question after mm. question after question. So I thought it was yeah. wonderfully reflective of reality. I wonder if this could be a model for our own prayer lives, right? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think we think to incorporate questions, maybe, yeah. like directly addressing God, like, what's going on? Why, why are you allowing this? Or what, you know, yeah. what, how, how can this be in my life right now? Um, What's happening? I, th- I think that's wonderfully thoughtful, Aaron. So uh, there's a rubric of prayer I learned at some point, maybe in high school or college, acts, adoration, mm. confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And that's a fine rubric, but there aren't any questions in there. Mm. Are there? There's, uh, it's like a formula or prescription. Mm. And like any formula, it has its strengths because it's a template. Don't just, the idea that I learned was don't just be God, asking God for stuff. So if there's a question, mm. it's when can I have this? When can I have that? But the, um, yeah, the, the disadvantage of the rubric is it doesn't really get to the spirit of really a relationship where you ask these deep, sometimes unanswerable questions. You, in your book, you say that, and you ask this question, so talking about questions, you yeah. say, are questions themselves essential ingredients of faith? Because some people think to have faith is to have, I mean, you've already talked about this right. a little bit, but to have faith is to not have any questions. It's basically to be filled with answers and to be very confident about those right. answers, that you, a sign of true trust in God is that you don't question. No, and, then, and, then, I'm sorry, and then also that you have a position, right, that you can debate, like, basically, with people. Like, if you're trying to talk about your faith with other people, you have points that you have or are supposed to have right. that are supposed mm. to kind of convince them that you're a person of faith. 
you're the convinced one. You're the yeah. sure and steady one. Yeah. In a world of questions, you hold back the questions with your strong faith and confidence. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, a lot of times I'm really fearful for some middle school, high school ministry, and even grade school ministry in the church, because at one point we want to uh, drop kids of all ages into the story of salvation and the story of faith in a of all the stories on the in the cosmos and the planet, this is the amazing story of following Jesus. But so we want them to understand the contours of the story and some information about the story and the shape of that story. But at the same time, we want to give them, I think, already in grade school, middle school, high school, an ability to ask questions within the context of that story. So imagine um, someone who grows up in the church, maybe middle school, high school, or someone who comes into the church in high school. They get only answers, let's just say, mm-hmm. and then they go to college where there's a thousand questions by nature, by necessity, because that's uh, a way to learn. And suddenly it feels like their faith has not prepared them to wrestle with questions uh, about their faith or about anything else. And I think what a gift to, to understand the Psalms, this prayer book of God's people of all times and places, has built in all these questions. So it's not to lack faith to ask questions. It's often, I mean, folks from the 15, 16, 1700s understood this as they launched the scientific enterprise, many mm-hmm. did it from a perspective of faith, saying, I have questions about this. And in answering my questions, my faith will grit deeper. That's the idea. I love that you say this in your book. You say, questions may sound, or questions may make us sound like skeptics, but in fact, they show our deep level of trust. We question God without shyness. We accost God when his attention seems to be lacking. And I love this. You say, we complain about God to God. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of us are afraid of appearing like right. skeptics, like maybe we don't have enough faith, like maybe we have doubts that maybe we're questioning. And that, that seems, it seems like there's really no place in the church for that. The instant mm-hmm. that we raise a question, people will smother us with answers yeah. to try to reassure us about God's goodness or God's plan for us. Mm-hmm without really giving enough weight to the seriousness of the question and the thing that we're going through that's causing that question to rise within us. And you say here, you say the psalm suggests that worship front and center is a place for questions, but few churches or pastors actually train for this. And then you say here, pastors go to seminary to prepare for answering a lifetime of Mm -hmm. questions. I don't know, uh, there's some other seminary grads in this room, but I, I thought in one, kind of the, the, the most simplistic thing I've heard said about a seminary, it gives you all the answers before you ask the questions. And then the idea is that you would be ready to an- give all the answers. You are the, in a sense, Bible answer mm-hmm. woman, Bible answer man. I don't think that's as true as it used to be. I think people recognize the world's pretty nuanced and complex, and especially in a more pluralistic world, that's not true. But... Um, some folks still want that to be, you know, my faith, faith feels wobbly because I have a question rather than sitting in the question. And um, you, th- you take a book, so the Psalms obviously illustrate this in a beautiful way. The book of Job really is an earnest plea to say, don't come with easy answers, because it's not the wise people in that book who have the easy answers. It's the uh, caricatures of people of belief who have the easy answers. So, um, and Job is really needing to, to sit in the questions for a while. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think is the posture of this question? Is it, um, thinking about Job and thinking about the Psalms, is it that you come and you bring the questions and you don't necessarily expect an answer, but you're sort of 
verbalizing, they're coming from a deep place? Or is it the actual posture that you should come to God with these questions is, I expect you to answer, and I'm waiting for you to answer. What do you think is the right posture there? Yeah, Does that make sense? Is it blowing off steam, or is it a request? Right, or processing, or however we might think about it. Isn't the answer both? I mean, isn't uh, sometimes we know in any relationship you you ask a question and you know the answer's not readily available, or you have a question about um, you know a childlike question: Why is the sky blue? Most parents can't really explain that scientifically, <laughs> so that question kind of sits there. But there are other questions. Is it Anselm who described faith seeking understanding? I think he's mm-hmm. the one. So mm-hmm. then there is this sense, or think of a scientist who said, I have questions about this biological reality or truth, or I have questions about this um, a, a astronomy, NASA kind of question. And um, I think some of my faith is going to grow by going down the trip, going, mm-hmm. traveling the road to this, to this answer, if yeah. in my lifetime it happens. Yeah. I was just listening to a podcast, and I can't remember which one it was, so forgive me for that. Um, but I was telling about the story of a daughter and a father and, um, they just moved to a new town and the father was kind of cerebral, like would spend a lot of time working, writing like essays and stuff like that. And so his daughter starts just peppering him with questions and she's asking questions like, what's the meaning of life? Like what's time? And so he would go back and he would write out these lengthy answers like essay length answers and in the podcast he was reading some of them and they're kind of esoteric and like for like a nine-year-old like most of us would think inappropriate so he's writing these essays and then he would give them kind of one at a time like she had a list of 50 questions that she'd just given him because he would said just give me your questions and i'll work on them and um so he kind of did that over time but then part of the conversation that kind of the interviewer had is she he was talking to the daughter and this was about three years later and she was saying well i knew my dad like liked to write and think about things and i wanted a way to like have conversation with him and interact with him so i started asking him questions and he'd kind of taken it when he heard that it was kind of devastating for him because he realized oh this was never supposed to be like, can I get answers? This was always about, can I be in relationship with right. you? Yes. Right. That's wonderful. Um, just kind of a powerful image of that way that questions allow us to kind of enter space with someone. Right. There's a subtext of trust, I think, when you're asking someone a question, mm. isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's a way to get to, we do this without thinking, but we ask questions to get to know people and to understand them more deeply. And we understand the answers are partial. How are you doing today? Well, that's a profound question. (laughs) And usually the answer is a greeting, but sometimes it's a little bit longer than that. Yeah. Our our churches, our religious institutions, they really prepare us for answer giving. I mean, you, you talk in here about the Heidelberg Catechism and how it was believed that if we just taught young people the right answers, that somehow they would be formed into spiritually mature disciples of Christ. And in in some case, I don't know if that worked or not, but the assumption was if they just have the right answers. And so the Heidelberg Catechism is a series of questions. And I don't know about you, but like for my mom, my mom as a young person had to memorize the answers. Right. So she would sit before when Uh, she was going to make profession of faith when she was 15 years old, she had to go before the elders and they Mm -hmm. would you know, 
ask random questions from the Heidelberg Catechism. <laughs> and then she would have to know the answers to those questions. But I always think, what if like half of it was answer giving, but the other half was questions? So like, what if my mom had to memorize the questions? And what if she could ask the elders the questions? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that would have been interesting, wouldn't it? Because yeah, right. I think in some ways it's like, we should encourage our young people, we should encourage everyone in church settings to have kind of a fundamental question that they carry with them that kind of drives them on their journey. Hmm. You know, for some people, it's like, why did my mom have to die of cancer when she was, you know, 42 years old? And that's maybe never answerable, but it is something right. that you carry with you. And maybe, yeah, maybe you never find the answer, but it kind of, I don't know, propels you or drives you. The power of a question to kind of send you on a journey of conversation with God, trusting yeah. God. Mm-hmm. And, and it keeps you humble. Yeah. You never arrive at the point where you have all the answers. You're yeah. always asking questions. I love that, Sam, about the catechism. Could it, I think um, in, in a caricature, it could be just the answer document. But mm-hmm. I go back to, these are 20-something people who wrote this who are trying to understand the depths of their faith and trying to under, and help other folks understand. So could it really be um, that we've experienced as a character answers only when it really it could be a conversation going on? And even the, something like the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, it appears all the answers are there, but it's really this ongoing conversation uh, settled about who Jesus is, but yet we're always asking questions about who Jesus is and what the implications are. So even things that appear like this is the result of all the questions, really are documents that could have a lot of conversation around them, I think, in terms of deepening faith conversation, right? Yeah. You quote um, a psalm scholar, James Mays, yeah, and he says something about how some of our questions border on arrogance or even self-centeredness, what some people might say are, are inappropriate questions or maybe sinful questions. But then he encourages us, uh, encourages us to keep asking them, which I find very freeing because right. we feel like we have to ask God uh, um, very polite questions, right. <laughs> or we have to be very polite before God, and we have to we have to basically tell God what He wants to hear. You're great, you're good, you're loving, yeah. And sometimes that's really we're not being honest when it's, we do that. It's what Walter Brueggemann, another Psalm scholar, calls imperialistic religion, where we come to God and we think if we follow the formula, if we give him all the obeisance, if we say, okay, Lord, we love you, we, if we build him up enough, if we butter him up enough, then he'll give us what we're asking for. Like this is a, mm. a dad who needs to be buttered up and then you get to 20 bucks for gas money. And uh, both Brueggemann and Mays and people who love and study the Psalms are like, that's really fundamentally wrong on so many levels about who God is. Really, the Psalms is this picture of a covenant relationship, quite remarkable that you can have these kinds of conversations and ask these kinds of questions and have this kind of uh, messy dialogue with the God of the universe without having to butter him up because you're already in relationship. So you don't have to pretend. Quite remarkable, really, if you think about it. I think also there's something freeing in the sense, like, I can imagine someone listening to this and thinking, okay, so I can bring my really weighty theological questions to God. That's nice. But like, I've got a lot of other questions that seem more trivial or more, like you're saying, self-centered. Like, 
Like, why was that person a jerk to me today? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like so, okay, it's not necessarily a question of the universe, but it's a question that matters to me. Right. And I think some of what Maze is saying and what you brought up, Sam, is like, you can bring that question to God right. too. Right. Why did right. my fiance break off our relationship? Right. Why did, yeah, there's a thousand questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think God's surprised. Right. I mean, sometimes we feel like God, God might be like that parent that we had, that when we asked that one question, they got bothered or irritated. Right. Or they said simply, because I said so, yep. stop asking so many questions. <laughs> and so then we take that experience that we've had with people who've loved us, authority figures, and then it translates into our relationship with God where we feel like we can't really ask God, like we're either bothering him or he's going irri- yeah, to respond in an irritated tone and say, just follow me. <laughs> yeah. Just stop asking so many questions. Just get in the back seat of the car. We're going someplace. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here you say you, issues on. Yeah, I'm going to quote you again because you're so oh, so quotable. So, oh yeah. Don't you love it when I quote back to you words that you say? Okay. You said believers ask questions because we trust that God is the one who answers. Psalms show us that we don't have to ask our questions from outside the faith or sequester them in a basement corner. Psalmists don't treat questions like expensive china to be used only on rare occasions. They pray their questions at every turn. Our anguished questions show us to be people of faith, people who still trust God in the midst of the chaos of life. And I've heard you quite often say that, you've often said this on a Sunday morning, that we think that if we have questions that we can't somehow be a part of church yet, that somehow we don't belong until we finally have all our answers or we have no more questions, and then we can fully belong to the church. But I've heard you say that that's not true. In fact, ask your questions, be a person who has questions from inside the church. Right. That's really, I mean, in some ways... It's a big shift for some people, and that comes out of lots of conversations with people who say, I'm not, I say, you know, they're they're new to the faith as adults, and then they'll say, I I said, well, where are you at? Well, I'm just not quite ready to commit yet because I don't have all my questions answered. But I think really it's a misunderstanding of what the church is. The church isn't a place where people have all the answers. The church is, like you're saying, Sam, it's a place where people are asking questions together in community with each other and with the God of the universe, right? And And the psalmists. And And the the, psalmists. Yeah, and then I'd love, I mean, it's not just the Old Testament. You did this wonderful um, small group study called Jesus Questions. And so the questions go on, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of questions for Jesus, about Jesus, from Jesus. And um, he really embodies uh, asking the questions and having conversations with people. I think it, it's worth maybe zooming out a little bit to recognize just how countercultural this idea of question asking is. I was just sitting here thinking about like how much we're in a certainty culture, huh. right? So like you think um, like about modernity and the scientific method, and it's all to answer questions, to come to conclusions, like. The way most of us are in school is we memorize facts. And even like if you start thinking about post-modernity, so sometimes people I label post-modernity as like it's all about like questions or relativism, like those kinds of words get thrown out. Some of you might be familiar with that. Even that, though, is just about moving certainty to the person, right? So suddenly the things that I'm certain of are the things that I believe. But it's still actually all about certainty, not really about question asking. And so I think we see maybe some movements towards question asking, maybe in like the realms of like particle physics, but mostly we're like really interested culturally in answers. So like we're having, I think, a really good conversation here about questions, but I can imagine like 
for a lot of listeners, that's tweaking something because kind of the water we swim in is if you have a question, you, you better Google be getting it. to an answer. Yeah, yeah. You Google it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google it, right. So I think that's a, a great point, Matt. I think we are, are in such a culture of uh, information is just everywhere. It's at our fingertips. And mm -hmm. we don't like, you know, we don't like not having answers to things. There's a, a comedian I really like named Pete Holmes who has, he has a routine where uh, he just talks about kind of how Google has taken over a little bit. And, um, and he says, there was a time... Uh, when, when if you didn't know where Tom Petty was from, you just didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to live with it. You right? had to you live with that. not knowing. Um, and then he talks about the, he talks about kind of the mystery. Then there's a sense of wonderment and mystery. I mean, actually, it's kind of beautiful, but like, and then, and then you meet somebody and they're wearing a Tom Petty t-shirt and you talk to them and you find out he's from Florida and there's this euphoria that washes over you. But his, one of his points is kind of, I don't think we should be afraid of not knowing answers yeah. necessarily. I think, I think a little bit of mystery and, and wonder is a healthy way to ask these questions and to be a person of faith. Maybe I can ask you, Aaron, a little bit about this as a father of young children. I know we've got other parents who listen to this podcast. How does questioning, you know, the caricature of a young kid is they ask lots of questions. How does this play out for you in terms of either preserving or the tension of wanting to answer? Well, it's like Sam uh, said, because I said so is usually my answer <laughs> to all the questions. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to have kids, your kids ask you a question. Um, like I kind of implied before, there's the subtext of trust. Like mm -hmm. they're not just going to ask this of anybody. They're coming right. to you with that, you know, with that request. Um, there, um, we're also at a point where, uh, my older child will answer questions of my younger child, which uh. is a, which is kind of a fun Thing to see. There was a time when uh, he would be frustrated with, well, of course it's this, don't you know that? Mm. Um, we try to instill in him a sense of, no, you get to teach your, your sister this. Like, mm. this is a really cool moment. So, mm. uh, yeah, those opportunities are priceless. Yeah. How often are there questions actual kind of reaching out for connection with you as opposed to really wanting to know why the sky is blue? I mean, there's some natural curiosity there. They might yeah. not want to know a real answer, but I think underneath the question is, I want to connect with you. I want yeah. to engage with you somehow. Yeah, I mean, those questions are often the start of some related conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that, you get to have that, um, that moment with your kids too. Um, I don't know, like what the ratio would be or anything. But you don't want to give it to us in a mathematical what formula. Is the exact percentage. <laughs> we want answers here. We want answers. Aaron, we want answers. <laughs> Could you don't, be more specific? Give us your ambiguity. Oh. I'm sure my five-year-old's like, "How can I have a better relationship with my dad?" <laughs> I'll ask him about chlorophyll. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I love about what you said, you used the word beauty a couple of times, right? Um, and it's just so interesting to me. Like we probably. A lot of people, if you've been a Christian for a while, you get asked questions at some point. And just like reflecting this conversation, it like you get asked a hard theological question. And if your response is, why don't we sing about that? Right. And like to return to the Psalms, like that's kind of the psalmist answer. Like, I've got this question. Why don't I, why don't I sing about it? <laughs> and just this idea of beauty and 
even the experience of singing as a way to enter questions is uh, it's arresting, I think, as an idea. Matt, you were much less combative this episode. I'm so proud <laughs> yeah, of you. You said well something done. nice at the well end there. <laughs> I didn't feel threatened by been, what you were saying. I didn't feel attacked this time. I've been questioning myself all week. So. <laughs> you were like, why did I act that way last time? What, what was in me? That we time? have a new counseling center now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know. <laughs> Thank you. Well, if you have not picked up Kevin's book, it's just called 150. Finding Your Story in the Psalms, we encourage you to do so. It's a great book. Lots of stories in here. Mm. I'm sure you can find it used. Buy it new. You should buy it new. Buy it new. Come on. (laughs) Help the guy out a little bit. (laughs) Help him to afford some food. (laughs) Spicy taco. Yeah. yeah. Help me buy spicy. You can find it on Amazon. And we're going to do some more conversations over the course of this podcast about various other psalms in your book. But today, psalms and hard questions, Psalm 13 in particular. Thanks, Kevin, for joining us. Thanks, everybody. I'm Sam. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. I'm Kevin. Thanks for being curious with us.